for the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world. We are live and amplified. So let's get ready to podcast. Fire it up. Welcome, everybody, to another live and amplified podcast. I'm your host, Tom Quart, and we are back at it again with another amazing podcast. Today, we have a very special guest. We are, today, we have Justine Blazer. How's it going today, Justine? Hey, I'm good. How are you? Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. You're in Nashville. How's the, how's the fall weather? Because, yeah, it is technically fall now, I guess, which is so fall weird. Fall weather. So like, I don't know, yeah. like 90 and 100% humidity. It's great. No, um, <laughs> it's good. I mean, you know, I hear you guys are having some rain. So, I mean, we'll take the sun. Um, but, yeah, it's good. It's good in the morning. Those are, those are nice. Nice mornings. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, yeah. It's been raining here for like the last three days. And then this afternoon, I just stepped outside for a second just to see like if the backyard or the, cause I live in front of like a dry riverbed to see if the river was flowing. Cause when we get a lot of rain, obviously the riverbed isn't very dry and it wasn't raining. And I'm like, oh, well, I'm going to go check the mail or something. Cause it's very yeah. rare that I get to go outside the last couple of days. So, <laughs> you know. It's the new normal, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. Here we are. <laughs> yep. So first off, before we jump too deep into everything, I want to thank you so much for giving me the time to sit down and chat. Thank you. Uh, it, it's been a little while in the making. We were supposed to talk some time ago, and then scheduling conflicts came up, and I'm glad we were finally able to make it work. So Yeah, absolutely. Persistence is key. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So um, I want to get to know about you a little bit more. What's kind of your origin story? What got you into music? You know, that stuff. Yeah. Okay. So I grew up in a family that was kind of two sides. My dad was a mechanical engineer for Ford and my mother was a model and a, and a dance teacher and she owned a dance studio for 12 years. So I was kind of, you know, in this purgatory of sort of like technical and, and creative. And so I kind of naturally gravitated towards the creative aspect of it. Um, my mother had me in modeling and pageants and dance and piano and voice lessons and you name it. I started all that when I was about two and a half, three years old. And we just kind of kept at it all those years. And now I'm doing it professionally in my adult life. So yeah, in a nutshell, that's pretty much, you know, how it sort of uh, turned out. Um, you know, it was an interesting childhood because we, I went to school, I went to, you know, regular public school, but then my mother would pick me up from school and I'd go right to the dance studio or right to, um, you know, vocal lessons or something like that. And then um, my weekends were pretty much uh, really busy because we were competing all the time. So I'd go to these national dance competitions or pageants or something to that, to that extent. And, I, you know, we didn't really have a whole lot of like regular kid time. It was just all about the performing and you know to be honest I really did love it so it wasn't something that my parents pushed me into doing I just always loved to do that in the summertime we did I did theater camps and in these performing arts sort of you know groups that they had and community theater and those kind of things so I just loved every aspect of performing 
Awesome, awesome. And you grew up in Detroit. Right now, are you talking like actual Detroit or like in the suburbs? Because like when I right. grew up in Chicago, it was always Chicago because if I told them, oh, Linwood, no one knew where Linwood was. Sure. Yeah. So I did have um, a house in Detroit. That was the last house I had before I moved to Nashville. So technically I can say I was in Detroit, but yeah, I grew up in a town called Canton mm -hmm. and that uh, was uh, like a suburb, you know, kind of, of Detroit, uh, kind of halfway between Ann Arbor and Detroit, the mm -hmm. city. So um, yeah, it was a nice community. Uh, like I said, my dad worked for Ford. So mm -hmm. just kind of being in that job, you know, required him to be in the Motor City, even though my parents were not from Detroit, but yeah. I, you know, my sister and I were born and raised um, in that area, so. Yeah, my dad actually worked in Detroit for a good time. Uh, he worked for Spirit Airlines. Oh, okay, uh, so he, yeah. He fly, or drive from Chicago to Detroit, mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. once a week, essentially, to- Oh, wow. Fly or, yeah, fly to Detroit, so. I'm very, well, I shouldn't say very familiar with Detroit. I'm more familiar with Detroit than I am with a lot of, a lot of cities in the Midwest, I guess I could say. Yeah, I mean, Detroit kind of gets a, a bad rap. Um, I love Detroit, and I love Nashville, too, but sometimes I don't feel like Nashville's my home, and mm -hmm. I say that because I feel like Nashville's a place that I work professionally, but I just sort of feel like there is an always, like, an, a, a dot, dot, dot to get back, you know, home because, you know, Detroit will always be home, you know, it's the mm -hmm. most familiar um, point in my life, you know, so obviously you you sort of gravitate towards that, but I'm very happy to be in Nashville. It's a, it's a thriving town. There's a lot of opportunity here. So I'm just excited to, to do it, able to do that. So. Yeah, absolutely. You know, last time I was in Detroit, somebody played a practical joke on us. We were looking for a uh, Ford field and they sent us to the old, football stadium okay yeah in, in the yeah. middle of uh not very good Detroit and they're like yeah. oh yeah just go here and I'm like okay did you, did you go to the Silverdome is that is that where you end up going that because that's up in Pont like Pontiac area no wait or no we went to the old baseball stadium not yeah okay I know I know where you're going yeah, yeah that's baseball. yeah that's that's the hood of yeah. the old the old uh Tiger Stadium so yeah. and so it was just like Oh, dang it. Okay. <laughs> Everybody, like that scene from uh, uh, Vacation, roll, like where they're running through Chicago or whatever. And it's yeah. Like, roll them up. The, yeah. Been yeah. there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so, what's kind of, or what ended up um, made you, or what ended up getting you into like music specifically as like one of your, like as a career? Yeah, as a career. There you go. Yeah, because like I said before, I've been, we've been doing music pretty much my whole life. So I decided to kind of make it sort of a regular thing. Um, it just really kind of na happened naturally because my mother and my dad, um, you know, they, they kind of instilled this like idea of being sort of self-sufficient and mm -hmm. independent and being an entrepreneur and all of these things because that's something my mother was. So I just didn't even really have the upbringing to work for somebody if that makes sense my my parents were both very like into just having us be you know self-sufficient so uh, right after high school I did do college for a few years I actually studied marketing and in, in public relations and stuff like that um, and I got all the way to my senior year and I decided to just 
end it because I would get so busy with, with music opportunities and modeling opportunities that um, that's kind of where it ended up. So just, it was an organic thing. I, at a high school, I started, I uh, got a job at like a theme park. So I, I worked there for their shows. Mm-hmm. And then I um, moved to New York. I lived there for a year. I was um, piloting for some TV shows and I was uh, doing modeling and I was studying at Broadway Dance Center and auditioning for all kinds of uh, different plays and musicals and, and things. I even, I even, pi- um, I even tested for that, that movie, um, the step for wives. I don't know if you remember that, oh, yeah. that movie, but I, I, uh, I tried out for that and, um, just a, a variety of other things while I was kind of developing my sound and, and getting my, my writing going. And, um, and the, so, yeah, it just kind of happened from, from that point. And then, um, I moved to Nashville, um, nine years ago Mm. and uh since then and i was i was getting some success i guess back about the mid to late 2000s in detroit i was doing a lot of stuff through there on a regional level i'd um performed at all like the major festivals open for all these you know big names and stuff like that so i felt like there was not much left to do if that makes sense i had done is everything i feel like i could possibly do being in detroit um so the next obvious step for me was just to get out of my comfort zone and kind of big i was kind of like a big fish in a small pond I- yeah. idea and i went to nashville and you know nashville they don't care you know you can yeah. be you know top of the charts and you're just like everyone else you know so yeah. i kind of like that actually i like that i, I like the comp- the competitiveness that this town has uh been some people don't like it you know it, it makes you level up it makes you push harder it makes you you know push your your abilities that i yep. and so i actually am really grateful that i i have been in this environment because it's made me so much better at what i do and really sharpening my skills as a producer as a as a vocalist, as a songwriter, um, as a guitar player, you know, all of these things that I sort of just did. Now I feel like I'm doing it, you know, as best as I possibly have ever done, you know? Um, And so that's really, you know, where, where it sort of led me. And I'm really happy with, with where I'm at right now, being in Nashville, Tennessee and just having fun, you know, producing music, mixing, singing, performing. Well, I'm not really doing much performing because of COVID, but yeah. yeah. (laughs) Um, So the whole producing aspect, uh, was that something that you've always had an interest in producing music or was it something that just kind of you uh, started doing out of necessity just because, uh, you know? Yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of both actually. So I remember my first music producer i was 13 okay yeah 12 or 13 and it was this guy in detroit he had this like big studio and stuff and my mom kind of brought me in because she wanted me to like record a a three song ep and so it was my first experience being in like a real studio and i just remember how cool it was it was like the most it was like the best of, of all the things that i had done from the pageants to the dance competitions to you name it, that was my favorite, favorite part of everything. And I just remember, you know, sitting there at the console with him and he was like, so, so nice, you know? And I remember, you know, when Pro Tools was introduced and he kind of showed me how that worked for the very first time. And I thought like, whoa, this is so cool. And oh my gosh, I want to do this one day. So I always sort of had it in the back of my head that I, I want to do that, you know? So, and, and it didn't manifest till just a few years ago. Um, 
And you know, kind of sometimes when you're just pushed to sort of this point where it's almost like sink or, sink or, or sail, you know, and that's kind of what led me to production because I always wanted to do it, but I never really had like the, the push that I, that I needed. So uh, between the curiosity of just growing as an artist, and then I had a couple incidences with some producers that weren't um, as professional as I would have hoped them to be, um, you know, from kind of this harassment aspect to also just feeling like I was taken for my money, you know, so kind of two, two reasons why I felt the need to be better, do better, offer something um, in this town that not a lot of people are doing. And, you know, I don't really want to play like I'm a female, but, you know, it has helped a little bit because there isn't that many girls um, in Nashville doing this. And it's, you know, 95% male dominated. So I felt like there was a space that didn't exist. And I've sort of carved out um, as a market in Nashville of being, becoming kind of uh, someone that you, you would call if you you know, want to feel comfortable, you want to feel safe, you want to feel like I'm really involved in the process. This isn't a a dictatorship. This Mm -hmm. isn't a situation where I'm making you do something, making you feel uncomfortable. Um, All the times that I have felt that in the past, I've I've done seven albums over my career and most have been great experiences. You know, I'm not going to sit here and tell you they've all been bad. You know, they've been some really great guys, but unfortunately you do kind of remember like the two or three that really made it not a pleasurable experience. So yeah. that was really the motivation for me to get sort of my button gear and and get my studio and get and get the technicalities of it and you know really dial it in. Um, and that's where we're at. So. Yeah, yeah. Un- unfortunately, in this day and age, nobody talks about the good experiences. It's more times than not they're talking about the bad experiences, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is unfortunate because I think if like you. you well, like just to keep it round numbers, like let's say you have 10, you go into the studio 10 times and two of them are bad, but eight of them were amazing. Like you said, you're going to remember the two that were bad, even though yeah. you had eight others that were amazing. And, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, I think it's perspective too. I think it's just a matter of what you focus on. So I, mm-hmm. I try not to focus on that too much, even though it does you know, kind of come up from time to time, but my motivation more less than revenge Mm -hmm. or whatever, you know, I'm more like, I'm going to just be better. I'm just going to work harder. I'm going to be better. I'm going to rise above that behavior and create kind of a movement and really inspire people again through this process. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So growing up, you were always a performer, acting, modeling, singing, what, uh, what have you. Uh, who were you listening to music-wise as kind of an influence? Who were you drawing influences from? Yeah, so I had so many influences. I really liked Judy Garland. Um, I really liked Bette Midler. I know it's like super old-timey stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Celine Dion, Mariah Carey. Um, and then that, and then the countryside, it was Faith Hill, Martina McBride, Reba. Patsy Klein, I think I already said that, um, and Michael Jackson, Prince, um, and then I had this, like, phase of where I went through, like, you know, listening to Green Day, and Alanis Morissette, and the Cranberries, and, you know, all of those kind of bands, so it's, yeah, it's really, and then, of course, being in the dance world, I am listening to Broadway musicals, and all kinds of obscure stuff, so, you know, you're, you're kind of, your palate's, like, all over the place when you're, sort of growing up in the performing arts. So 
I think that's why I'm sort of a melting pot now with, with stuff that I do because it's all over the place. I don't really like to define myself as like, I'm just a country artist or I'm just a pop artist or I'm just this or I'm just that. Um, and I feel like some people like to just kind of have that identity and that's totally fine. But for me personally, I have to have, I'm sort of all over the place. I like to kind of keep inventing, reinventing the wheel as they mm-hmm. say. So yeah. You know, some of my stuff's super dancey, some of it's kind of rocking, some stuff's kind of country. So it's just all over the board, you know? Absolutely. And I think this day and age, it's one of those things, being a multi-genre artist really helps you kind of bend into, like helps you, I don't want to say trick the algorithm, but because you can put like, oh, this is kind of rock, this is kind of, you know, you can just kind of bend the algorithm a little bit and really help yeah. yourself stand out. It's true. I mean, you, like you said, it's really like that now. You know, yeah. when I was kind of growing up in this, they, they really like, oh, no, you have yeah. to be this, you know? And I'm like, okay, you know? And you kind of think, like, you have to sort of put yourself in this square and never, and never get out those lines. But, like, I always felt in my heart that that was – like kind of stupid like why would you want to like limit yourself like that so I was kind of like I li- I kind of went with it but but when I I'm old enough to make my own decisions I'm going to do whatever I want yeah. and so yeah and then I tell that to my clients I, I don't think it's really a, a big deal if you have one song that's more country and if you have one song that's more pop and I th- I'm about serving the song so whatever mm-hmm. serves the song the best that's the way that we're going to go with, with the style and, and, the, and the production and the musicality of, of it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, um, actually, I was going to ask one question, but since you brought this, kind of brought this up already. Uh, so you, you've been singing and performing for a little while now. How's, how's your sound kind of morphed over time? How, how's your... <laughs> yeah, so my very first single, it was this kind of like pop droney kind of thing. Um, and then I did like this kind of croony Christmas kind of album, which is like very jazzy, like, you know, I, I love that kind of jazzy, bluesy sound. I love it. Um, and one day I'll, I'll like make an album and yeah, and totally own in all that. You don't see um, very many Christmas albums on the independent level. I wish we saw more of that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know. I know. It's just one of those things you, as an independent artist, like you, you, do you go and spend the money and mm-hmm. kind of have like a month to really a month, like a song that you, know. you can play for a month. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so it's one of those things it's like, uh, and, and that's why it's tough. Um, but then, yeah, I've had, you know, some of my albums, um, have been, uh, more rock and edgier and I, you know, kind of went this like edgy like badass I'm a badass chick you know kind of thing and then I kind of did like sort of shifted into this like pop country where I really wanted to be like you know really really pop sound and then I had some stuff that was um just kind of you know pour my heart out kind of kind of belted out um this past album that I released this past year you know it had 12 tracks on it and they were all kind of different so I'm working on I have two singles coming out very soon and then I'm working on an EP and you know it's the same idea like I don't really have um this like strict parameters I'm trying to stick with I just whatever I'm feeling for that song that's the direction I'm gonna go um as that's the beauty as an independent artist you know I've been an independent artist for 15 years so it's like I've never really had to 
like listen to somebody above me. I've always just made my own decisions, you know? So it's just, it's, it's scary, but it's also at the same time you're like, you just get used to just answering to yourself and, you know, I don't care. I really don't have this like, oh, I hope they like me. You know, it's like, if you like it, great. If you don't, okay. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, you've already brought it up. So I guess we'll go ahead and start talking about the uh, new singles. Um, so you just announced, when did you announce that? Uh, a couple days ago, I think. I right? Uh, you're releasing two brand new singles. Uh, what's kind of the story? Well, first off, what are the names of the singles? And uh, what's kind of the story? Ooh, you're getting like exclusiveness right here, Tom. Uh, you guys heard it first on Live at Amplified. Yeah, so my, my single is called Just Sing. And I wrote it with Melissa Lee. Um, and she's an amazing writer. She's had a lot of different cuts. And um, it's kind of has this like... I wouldn't say Christian vibe, but maybe, even though it's not like Christian song or whatever, but like it could sort of be if you wanted it to be, but it's definitely like very motivational, very like, it's got this kind of just boom, boom, bah, bah, and it's, it's about just like going for it, using your voice to sing or, you know, just kind of work pushing through the the perseverance of all the sort of hard times we've all experienced this year. And at the end of the day, you're going to, just use what God gave you and make it work. So that's what it's about. And then my second song is actually a duet with Nick Johnson. It's called oh. Dun Dun Dun. And it, we wrote the song. Um, and at first I just want, he just wanted to be on it like by himself. And then he's like, Hey, do you want to do a duet with me? And so I said, okay, sure. I'll do it. You know? And then I produced, the song and I mixed it and then he played the guitar and bass on it. So it was a really cool collab collaboration. And the song is not necessarily about like you think, Oh, done, done, done. It's about done. Yeah. Like you're breaking up with somebody. And yeah. that's, that's not it at all. Like at all. It's, it's about whatever in your life that you're, that you're done with. So it could be a friendship that went bad. It mm -hmm. could be, you know, like leaving that crappy job. It could be like, quitting that band that just is going nowhere it could be you know ending it with that with that relationship that professional relationship that, that, that you thought you had it could be about you know dumping your boyfriend or girlfriend or husband or wife it could be definitely about that too mm -hmm. but we wanted to leave it in a situation where it felt very relatable to whoever is listening to it so i actually am discussing the video right now of how we want to kind of convey that yeah, and sure. so it's going to be exciting. So yeah, like two, two things happening. Um, are, right is now. It, are you releasing it kind of as like a, one of the old school A side B side vinyl singles, or is it just happened that two separate songs that are being released as two separate singles? Yeah, it's just, it's just timing. Um, okay. You know, I felt like I should have put something out sooner. My last single was back in April. So I felt mm. like that feels a long time ago. So I wanted to kind of make up for lost time and I might even do a, like a, like a, a last minute pop-up Christmas single. I don't, I don't know, but um, it's been, uh, it's been very busy with clients. So I've, mm -hmm. I've just cut, you know how time just slips away. So yep. basically I just wanted to kind of get this focus on this and, you know, kind of get it out. And then, like I said, I'm, I'm writing for an EP that should be out early 2021 so yeah awesome awesome um yeah because the reason i asked if it was like a a-side b-side single is i've noticed a lot of independent musicians are kind of going back to that release strategy like the old uh 45s where it's like you got your a-side you get your b-side single here you go 
And it, it, that's a really interesting strategy. And I've had a couple of people try to explain it to me. So it's, I, when I heard you're doing two singles, I was like, oh, maybe that's the strategy, but no. Yeah, no, it's just two, two digital singles and we're just gonna mm-hmm. kind of see how it goes and just have fun with it. I used to stress out about all that. Yeah. Like I used to have pro, you know, 8,000 publicists and promoters and video yeah. promoters and this guy. I mean, I used to just go all out and like, after, you know, you do this for so many years and you just are like, I don't care. I mean, it's like you do care, but at some point you, you can push that so hard. And if like people will resonate or they don't, you know, so you just can't push that. You just have to let it sort of be organic process. And if they like the song, awesome. If they don't like the song or they don't like my voice or whatever the situation is, you know, like that's not, that's not anything I can do. You know, that's kind of like out of my control. You know, all I can do is the things that I can personally control, you know? So Yeah. Yeah that you know it's it's that that's kind it's refreshing to hear that but it's also like i i'm still so i'm still young enough in the game i've only been doing live and amplified for about it'll be five years in november it's just like i i still worry about all that stuff but then again i hit that point where it's like just get it out like who who cares how we do it let's just get it out there and like i try all these different strategies and it's like oh this got four more views than the way we did it last time let's go with this way and then i do it again it's like yo we got four more no we're just growing that's all it is it doesn't matter how we're releasing yeah this is growing that's what it is yeah i mean that's all you can do and uh, not be over fixated on you know, just the, the, the success of it or whatever. Cause like success, you know, the more you learn about how things are sort of done, especially in the music business, it's very smoke and mirrors. And mm-hmm. if an artist is successful, most likely, yes, there's talent. Yes. There's, there's a song that's probably really good, but a lot of times it's just, they had a buttload of money and they were able to, you know, hire a bunch of people to tell everybody how great they are. You know what I mean? So you know, you really have to kind of take it with a grain of salt. If somebody is successful or has mm-hmm. a number one song or whatever, I know how it works. You know, I know the ins and outs of the industry and how things are sort of done. Um, so with all that being said, you kind of have, you can't take yourself too seriously and you can't take the process too seriously. All you can do is have fun with your art. And I'd like to just motivate people and inspire people. And that's why I love producing because it gives me this opportunity every day to work with people and get them fired up about their music and their process. And even if I'm feeling like, uh, personally, I can always sort of channel that and and kind of give it back to other people. And I always feel better. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. So the, the, uh, these singles are leading up to uh, you said it was an EP that's going to be released sometime next year. Yeah, that's the plan. Awesome. Um, have you? Do you already have like the song? Not. I don't want you to like name the songs, but do you have already have like the song selected? And is it planned out that far ahead, or is it? No. No. We're, no we're I'm, yeah, I'm still writing uh, a few different songs, and I'm deciding which ones I want to do. I don't know if I want to do three or five or four or six. Yeah. I don't really know because EPs can be three to like seven songs. Yeah. Three to six songs, something like that. So I don't know uh, exactly how Monday I want to do, but definitely want to get it going. And I've been writing, like I said, a ton right now and just deciding which 
which way, which one I want to choose. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So since you've been writing a lot, what, what kind of what's your creative process when you are you more of a sit down and okay, I'm going to write for the next X amount of time, or are you one of the musicians where you're driving down I-10 and it's like, oh, wait, I got this idea, you know, what's kind of your process? I mean, everything you said, yes. And um, it just, it literally depends on on the day. I think who thankfully have become very fast writers. So I can whip out a song and like, 30 to 60 minutes tops, but it's completely finished. So I feel like that's the um, natural influence. It, it is. Cause it, I, I was never like that. I'd, I'd sit on something for weeks and days and you know, ugh, and it was just like, ugh, you don't have to overthink it. Just <laughs> let it come out and let it be, you know? And so, um, yeah, when I work with a lot of my, a lot of my clients, I, I, I just, I really tend to go really fast for a reason because I just don't like, the, a lot of like downtime because mm-hmm. I think that makes you question and overthink things. And like, once again, this should not be a complicated process. This should be just something that's kind of what's ever in your heart, on your mind at that moment. I don't like to over, and I'm, a, I'm like an agenda queen. Like I literally have like notebooks and notes and, you know, schedules and Excel spreadsheets about everything else. But me, but when it comes to songwriting, I just mm. like to just let it sort of flow in that time. So um, I, if I know I have a co-write with say an artist, or I know I have something coming up, I typically listen to a lot of music that that reminds me of that artist. Mm-hmm. And then I'll just like listen to something similar and just start kind of getting some ideas, but I don't overthink it. And then just every time something pops into my head and it just kind of comes together. I don't even know how to explain it. It's just literally writes itself and I just have Mm -hmm. to get it down on paper before I forget it, you know? So it's really weird. I don't, I don't really know. Sometimes it's like just strumming on a guitar. Sometimes just kind of noodling around the piano. Sometimes I'm making a beat. Sometimes I'm, you know, kind of like whatever. I I, I have my synth. I kind of just noodle around on that. It really is all, every song is different. You know, I don't have like a one size fits all. Yeah. And then of course, when you write with somebody, of course, they're going to have a, a way of doing something as well. So it's just one of those processes where you just have to have to feed off the people. And you, it's, it's a, it's a weird position because you can't be too over dominating, but you can't be too submissive as well. You sort of mm-hmm. have to find the rhythm of that session and of that person. So you can kind of fit sort of, so it sort of jives and it has like a sweet spot and a nice flow. And that just takes experience years of experience you know to kind of sit you know figure out where you're supposed to sit yeah absolutely absolutely um and is do you you'd mentioned that you're still kind of writing for the upcoming ep is that usually your selection process for an album or do you usually do you usually write for the album or do you like to already have a bunch of stuff written and then just kind of cherry pick yeah i mean it's just yeah, I have like I have a bunch of songs right now that I just write with people, and uh, I never know what's going to be the outcome for that write. So sometimes mm. it's like, hey, let's just write a song, and sometimes I'm like, okay, cool, I I have an artist in mind that I think this might be good for, and then it's like, I really like the song. Hey, can I can I cut this? You know, mm. hey, would you mind if I if I cut this? You know, and it's like, yeah, cool, cut it. You know, so it's just one of those things. Um, sometimes I have a core write that's very specific. There's like an agenda. Like I do a mm. lot of stuff for sync licensing. I have a couple different publishing i have a publishing deal and i have a couple other 
publishers that I do work with kind of as a, as a third party. Mm -hmm. And so I will, um, they'll hire me for like, Hey, can you, you know, help us start a song and make a track or whatever the thing is. And I just know that that particular, um, situation is, uh, very specific and I have, you know, very specific cue sheets and we go, we go about it in that specific agenda. And I don't, I do not merge right or left. It just stay right where I'm supposed to be for that particular task. So for those ones, I actually kind of like, cause I like very specific directions. Um, it, it gives my, my, my mind can go in 8,000 directions and it's like, where do I even start? So I like when I'm coached, like, Hey, I want it to be exactly like this. And it's like, done. I can do that. You know? So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so one of the things that is ever since I started doing the, the podcast online and started working with more Nashville musicians, I found out the importance of the Bluebird Cafe in Nashville. Have you yeah. ever had the chance to play the Bluebird? Well, of course I have played it. Uh, actually, let me, let me show you this really cool picture. Okay. This is my studio. So this is, um, this is me at the, you can see that. Yep. That's, that's me. Mm. That was, um, that was the artist we were, we were playing yeah. with. Nice. So yeah, that was, that was my Bluebird experience. So nice. that was really fun. Um, I did a, I did a, you know, a couple stuff there. So yeah, the Bluebird is, is really cool. Um, and, but it's like anything else, you know, it's just another kind of resume, check it off. Cool. You know, it's I, don't a I don't think list. it defines you. It just yeah. it's something you can sort of say you did. Um, at yeah. least my personal experience, you know, I know a lot of other artists are like, Oh, the bluebird, you know, it's the best thing since sliced bread. But you know, it's like, Hey, it's, it's a cool place. A lot of history there. A lot of cool things have happened there, but then there's a lot of other really cool spots in Nashville yeah. too. So yeah. yeah. I think it's just one of those bucket list items that yeah. a lot of musicians, because, and the reason I had asked is because I I've gotten a lot of, when I bring it up, I gotten a lot of the same responses. It's, it's like some people idolize it. Some people it's like, Oh, it's, it's a cool venue that that happens to be here in town. So I'm always interested to kind of see what kind of uh, uh, response I'm going to get when I bring it yeah. up. So, yeah. And like, like you'd mentioned, of course, when I'd asked, it's like, Okay, cool. You know, I, I, but there's also several musicians that have been in Nashville for 10, 12, 15 years that haven't had a chance to play it because okay. so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I guess they have an open mic thing every week. I don't know now with COVID, but they did yeah. have that. And then a lot of times it's just, you, you got to get invited onto a round mm -hmm. and that's kind of how I got on, I got onto it. I just, you know, there was a round and they, yeah. they allowed me to sort of be on that. So, yeah. um, you know, but like I said, honestly, I haven't even thought about it since yeah. then. I just sort of did it. And then, you know, you can be, you get so busy um, yeah. doing this full time. So yeah, it's just absolutely. like, you know, um, when there isn't a global pandemic, how often are you out playing shows? We, I played five nights a week for okay, nice. like eight years. Yeah. So I did um, like six shows a week, um, sometimes more, sometimes we did eight to nine. Um, no less than five shows a week. So I played every Wednesday, every Thursday, every Friday, every Saturday, every Saturday night, and sometimes Sundays. Mm. Wow. So For years. Keeping it, and is that all just pretty much in Nashville or would you get out and like tour outside of Nashville? 
I did tour um, for a number of years. We did like 200 dates a year on the road. And oh, wow. um, I had like a tour van and sponsors and the whole nine yards. Yeah. Um, it was it was really fun. But, you know, I was getting kind of sick of living out of a suitcase and mm. living in motels and stuff like that. Um, so I felt it was time to sort of like hang that up for a while. And I haven't toured really since like 2015. Um, okay. I, I did my last tour was a European tour. We were out, uh, we did like a 15 day run out there. But mainly it's just been in town. I, I, I would play just some of the venues um, downtown. And mm. um, I had a residency at uh, a place called Whiskey Bent and Bootleggers um, all the way up through March. And then the pandemic hit and then that was really weird not having <laughs> gigs um, at all. And then I played a few shows in June. There were a couple of acoustic shows. Yeah. And, you know, I just, I don't know. It just didn't feel right. It was weird. It was like my band was, it wasn't with my band. It was like a, just a solo duo thing. And I just kind of told them like, hey, I think we're just going to stop for a while. And then, of mm -hmm. course, they, they shut down anyway. Yeah. Um, and I don't even know. I think they're open now but yeah. i have no idea i honestly i'm so out of the loop when yeah. it comes to that stuff yeah. downtown i don't know what's going on so yeah i mean that, that's got to be really tough going from playing five <laughs> to six to sometimes nine shows a, or not nine seven shows a week yeah uh, could you imagine no, playing sometimes we did, no i did i i have done nine shows a week yeah it's crazy like i don't even know how i did it or why i did it yeah. but you just sort of end up like doing it i don't know it's yeah. the craziest thing um i i i remember when i first like started doing the podcast i was like oh i could do a whole bunch of these podcasts in a day or in it and i started doing three to four podcasts a day and i did that for almost 14 days straight so i was doing average of 21 podcasts a week for Wow, that's for, that's that's too much. <laughs> yeah, for two and a half weeks, and my sound engineer, he uh, he lives in Roswell, New Mexico, which is about eight hours west. And he called me one day, and he's like, "Dude, what have you been doing?" And I'm like, "Just been doing podcasts, man. Why? What's going on? You sound like my mother, and she smokes a carton a day for the last ten years." And I'm like, "Wait, what? Do I really sound oh that bad?" And he's like, "Yeah, you need to stop." And I'm like. Oh, am I overdoing it? He's like, yeah, a little bit. A little bit. And I'm yeah. like, but I feel great. He's like, yeah, but you sound like you smoke a carton a day. Like, I'm like, oh, okay, I get it now. So, uh, and so wow. now it's a lot more water. And that's, I, I just kind of deal trick. with it. Yeah, that's the so, trick. Um, But no, that's got to be so crazy to go yeah it is it, it really it was very weird I remember getting that call from from the managers and they're like they literally said this they're like hey um you because we'd start you know we heard that Nashville was gonna like shut down but I don't know if you saw the news but like some of the bars like were open anyway and yep. they were it was just, I don't know it was like it was a lot of the bars on uh Broadway right like yeah, and they stars. were kind of like, you know, outlawing it. They're like, oh, no, you're kind of shut me down, you know, whatever. <laughs> so it didn't matter. Like, they shut them down. They shut everybody down. So we got this call. They're like, hey, um, you know, we're going to be shutting down. They literally said for three weeks. 
<laughs> three weeks. Three weeks. Right. Three weeks. But we'll be back in, you know, early April. We'll be right back to normal. Like, oh, okay. So I'm thinking three weeks. What am I going to do for three weeks without playing shows? You know, and it was just like, what? You know, and it was mm-hmm. the weirdest feeling. And then three weeks rolled by and nothing. Yep. Another three weeks rolled by. And nothing. Yep. Another three. I mean, and now we're already in September. So here yep. we are. So yeah, it's it was weird. Um, thankfully, you know, I had my studio um, mm-hmm. already up oper- operating. I've been doing this for a few years now. So I just had to kind of you know, get up the next level with, with my clients. And I offered a lot of discounts, um, for, for a few months just to kind of get everybody back in the studio. And so I got busy quick. I was really happy about that. And, um, I've been busy. So I was actually going to bring that up next. So that's kind of, um, so luckily you had the studio to kind of keep you busy and keep some sort of income coming in. Cause I'm assuming at this point you're a full-time musician, correct? Yeah, I've been a full-time musician pretty much my whole career. So um, I have never done anything else. This is all I do. So yeah, it was super weird. And, and, you know, we made pretty good money playing. So it wasn't like a big deal. We were just like, okay, you know, I never, I never thought twice about it. You just, you play your shows, you get, you know, you get a little bit of money from the bar, then you make the rest of it up in tips. tips. So, you know, we, we'd bring in pretty good money. So it was, it was something I could do and feel comfortable and not feel stressed out about um, anything. And now it's just like, yeah. Even though you're make you're you were making good money, and even if you were like really responsible and saving it, it's like six months without any like real income is going to drain that savings. Really and I have friends that are living that, and it's really sad. And um and and so I I know it's just uh I recently became um a member of the recording academy uh mm. the Grammys. I'm a Grammy voter now, and so I got inducted into the the class of 2020. And so, um, because since then they've actually, um, I've had a lot of opportunity already and I've, I've talked to Congress twice. Um, I have done, um, several different things with the Academy already. Um, and we're really fighting for a lot of the, like, um, the acts and the, and the different, um, the, the, the different, uh, sort of things they're trying to pass into, into, into law about like making sure that that music makers are, are not getting like stranded and left behind. So I don't know if you see, see the movement, like we yeah. make events and all that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah. That's, all, yeah. that's all part of, of all that. So I've actually talked to um, Congressman uh, Jim, Jim Cooper and uh, Marshall Blackburn and uh, in our, our Tennessee uh, Senate and Congress. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm just kind of advocating like for, for the, the musicians and for us to continue to get support because yeah. you know this is the first thing that people cut and they think oh well we don't need music but what's the first thing that you do you're listening to music you know yeah. morning day and night if, if if the music stops you know what what do you you know what do you do you know so mm-hmm. it's just as a as a person who lives eat and breathes this it's it's super important that we continue to fight for our rights and fight for um, equality in society because we are sort of like boxed into this this weird you know category of like people think we do this for a hobby you know yeah. I get that a lot you know and it's like no it's this is like what I do for a living <laughs> like yeah. do you work for free yeah. you know what yeah. I mean so it's just like any other service you know this yeah. is this is what we do and I'm not talking just for myself I'm talking about my entire yeah. musical community yep absolutely you know yeah. and it, 
I, I just learned about the, I just recently with, I think it was way Tuesday or Wednesday. I really learned about the, we make events movement. And I saw a friend make a post that she was uh, turning everything on her profile, red, right. standing yeah. solidarity. And I'm just sitting there looking at it. And I'm like, Oh, is this going to be like the, the uh, the uh, the equality blackout that the entertainment industry did after the George Floyd situation, where everybody's mm -hmm. boycotting and going silent on social media. And then I started reading it, and I was like, nope, that better not be this because that would be super counter in counterproductive. Like right. everybody's trying to get get support. Why would they mute themselves? Because I was sitting there in my head, I was like, oh man, I really don't hope I don't have to cancel any podcasts because it's yeah. like because they're boycotting and you know all that stuff but well it wasn't necessarily like a boycott it was more of awareness and it was to get people to reach out to their local government you know mm -hmm. people like to just complain about stuff but like nobody actually like does the proactive approach and actually like contacts them like you can just contact these people this isn't like some mysterious you know, mystery secret, like their emails, yeah. you know, is public, all, their, their phone numbers are public. Um, you can write them on Facebook, you can contact them. And this isn't some like thing that I'm, you know, I'm the gatekeeper or whatever, you like anyone can do this. I think that was the movement itself. Um, I made a post about it and I, people were like, oh, cool, you know, and great job, you know, and it's like, there, this isn't like a thing where I want to get praised for. This is a thing where I want you to feel inspired to do the same in your local area, like your, mm -hmm. like your state or whatever. We get enough statewide. And eventually the idea is to pass these sort of uh, these laws and these legislative um, sort of the, the acts care and, and all the, the, the mm -hmm. all the different ones that, that we talked like equality for, uh, you know, my minority-based businesses Make and like sure all they, of these, yeah. all of these things that that we're sort of fighting for, and of course, like equal pay on or, or fair pay, like on the um, like on the MMA, which is the Music Modernization Act, which is like this whole streaming yeah. um, idea where these platforms are not paying the song right. I mean, there's so many layers yeah. to like the we are getting the short end of the stick, so yeah. we have to get government involved to say, look, like, we're going to step in and we're going to kind of fight for our rights and fight for our, our needs, like any other business. Like, and, you know, you couldn't just do that and not pay your people if you worked for, you know, a toilet repair company or if you worked for, you know, a construction company. Like, mm -hmm. it does. it's the same thing, you know. So why is it any different with people that make music, you know, yeah. so. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, so one thing that I wanted to talk about, because I've never really had an opportunity to talk to anybody about this, but you'd mentioned that you j this year got uh, selected to go into the record or to be a part of the re uh, recording academy. Mm -hmm. uh, what yeah. was that process kind of like? How did you get, was it like an invite thing or how, how did you kind of get selected for that? Uh, yeah, you have to get nominated okay. by a couple of different people in the industry and then they like call you and then you you go I remember I had to go into like an interview and I sat down at this like big kind of boardroom table or whatever and I had to talk to them and stuff and then um yeah they, they just check up on your your credits you have mm -hmm. to have a lot of different credits 
listed, um, you know, and like they're not counting Facebook and, you know, Instagram, like they're looking really deep in like yeah. your work history, um, you know, different placements you've had different, you know, I've had stuff with, you know, Sony Red, I've been on TV, I've had different distribution deals, I've had um, a bunch of different cuts with artists, I've had stuff overseas, you know, so there's a lot that I don't really like always mention because there's so much that I do. It's like, I, I really have to focus on the, the main things, but there's so many layers to, to what I do. And I've done a lot more than people realize. Um, yeah. So they kind of dig into your background and your history and, um, and they just decide if they want you in it or not. And then I, you had to wait, I had to wait um, like six months before I heard anything. So that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I was so, always kind of curious what went into the selection process and stuff like mm -hmm. that. So it's, and you're the first member of the recording Academy we've ever had on, or well, hey. no, I'm sure that's not true, but the first person that makes like, makes it known that it's, yeah. yeah. Um, but so with during the pandemic uh I've, well you haven't really had as much downtime because you've been doing a lot of the producing stuff but as far as playing have you experimented with like the virtual shows and doing any of that sort of stuff yeah we did a we did a few um mm. facebook lives and instagram lives i i just cannot uh i just can't get into it it's I, it's I was, so it's so hard um yeah. and we did we've i've done probably five or six now okay. Um, I, I was picking up the disappointment in your voice already. I was like, oh. Yeah, it's just, I don't know. Like, I have to feed off that, like, live energy and that live vibe. And so, for me, I, I just don't have, like, a whole lot of um, experience when it comes to that. And I just, mm -hmm. I guess if you're kind of growing up with that, that's, like, that could be your whole career, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. doing, like, live streams and stuff. And you kind of really get used to it. But I have to be... A with my bands and B, you know, on stage and kind of have that like live, you know, sort of excitement happening. So, I mean, I did it, you know, we, I got through it, but it's not my, it's not like I wouldn't sign up for it if I, <laughs> I try to just do it just so people can kind of like, oh yeah, that's right. She does sing, you know, yeah, so, absolutely. but yeah. I, I have come up with an idea and I, I'm going to say it right now, just because okay. I haven't said it yet, but I'm thinking there's a way you can do like virtual cafe type shows where it's like, um, you know, you, you can actually get people's interactions and what have you through zoom. Cause you could have up to 500 people in a zoom conference. Oh, really? Wow. That's a and lot. So I think there's a way you can do it. You just got to figure out how to make your sound quality as good as possible because zoom has, an auto EQ feature and an auto compression feature that will EQ the crap out of your guitar. Like the lower end of your guitar sits right in its uh, frequency range mm. and it'll EQ it right out. And so it just sounds like a, a hollow box of nothing. Yeah. And then, like mixing your vocals. It's like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. You're, not yeah really. yeah I, i'd rather spend my time um i've been like getting videos i've been doing that a little bit yeah. um you know so that's been really fun i just putting out some cool little like that you know like i think i put the one the other day like i did that you know just kind of 
having fun with it, you know, just doing some video stuff and throwing, you know, like little covers and things like that, you know, so that's, I, I'd rather do that than do like a live stream. And I'd rather have the, the quality be as best as I possibly can. And especially with me being a producer, like I'm going to make it as perfect as possible um, versus like the live stuff. You're right. Like it's, you're at the mercy of, of these interfaces and these platforms and you don't know what, you know, how it's sort of coming out the other end. Yeah. Um, you know, so that's, it's, yeah, it's challenging. So that's yeah. why I just don't really want to do it unless the technology can just get better at it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think if this pandemic prolongs any, I think people are going to start getting innovative like that and just being like, we're going to figure out a way to make the sound as good yeah. as possible. And, and they are, I mean, that's, it's currently happening. You know, it's just one of those, it's one of those kind of specialists you have to really go to that really is an expert at kind of manipulating those platforms. But mm. um, yeah, I mean, it's just like anything else. It, hopefully it'll evolve and kind of, we can get caught up with that because I think this kind of all happened, you know, without us really having this opportunity to sort of like beta test stuff and kind of get things where it needed to be, which is sort of put, you know, pushed into this, here it is. There's, you got a way to get work, you know? So, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. Um, have you been doing anything to kind of challenge yourself creatively through the, having this little bit of extra time? Like, yeah. Uh, video. Um, I've been doing that. That's not like, I'm not a videographer. <laughs> like I, I am not. Um, but it's been a really interesting shift in kind of a par paradigm because my my artists that I produce you know it just sort of has come sort of naturally where they're like they we work on a song together and they're like hey I want to you know do a video so it's like okay cool so I go and I send them off to you know a, a person that I I don't really know and they and they do a video for them and you know sometimes it's good sometimes it comes back and it's botched you know and then I have to deal with like damage control of getting these these clients' videos looking better. So um, the beginning of this year before the pandemic, I started learning about video and I started learning, you know, the cameras and the different, you know, uh, you know, different shooting techniques and the software. And I just did it more just for my own personal knowledge. Then it became actually like a necessity because these artists were like, hey, I want to do a video and I want you to direct it. And so I'm like, okay, cool. So I've been partnering up with a few different videographers like actually, actually are shooting the, the footage and I'm there kind of just directing it. I'm writing the treatments. I'm you know making sort of the overall creative calls on things. I'm helping edit the video, um, that whole process I'm, yeah. I'm involved in. Um, and so, yeah, that's been really challenging. Um, not because it's like, hard because I, you know, but it's just, it's something that I don't do. I've been always like the artist in the video. So now it's sort of an extension of my music production and my music production is very like, that's very natural to me. Like I can just, I know what to do. Like I got it, you know, but then the video, it's like, I had to lean on, you know, my, my partner to be like, Hey, let's make a video, you know, and I'm kind of, it's sort of a, a situation where I have to really trust that person to yeah. be able to, to do what I envision, you know? So, um, and hopefully one day I can be as good as them, you know, but in just a few months, this is where we are. You know, you can't become a professional of video in like two months. You know what I mean? So, yeah. but my, but my role as a director and a, and a creative director is like, it just very natural because I can, I, I wrote the song, right. Mm -hmm. I, I produce the song. I mix the song. I know exactly what I see in my head. 
Um, and it's just conveying that, you know, in a sort of visual context. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and it, video and audio are obviously two different mediums, but if you can grasp the production of audio, you can gr pretty easily grasp the production of video. And yeah. it's just a matter of, okay, we, you got to understand a camera can only do so many things like, you know, like I'm working with a lot of people that don't know a hundred percent what cameras can do. It's like, yeah, we're, we're sitting in this back room and it's dark in here. I can't shoot in here. Like, yeah, we're going to bring lights, you know, and all this stuff. So there's yeah. only so much uh, cameras can do. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, but it's been fun. You know, it's just keeping me super, busy and on my toes and if it wasn't for the pandemic I don't think I would be yeah. doing video now it's like I said just it just sort of happened organically over these last few months um just because that's that's where that's where it led me um yeah. as a necessity to uh, my clients you know making sure that they're feeling comfortable and they're getting the best product you know I get really attached to my clients we kind of become like friends you know you know like a lot of my younger clients I'm kind of like their big sister in some ways so I don't I feel very territorial and I feel very like like mother hen I don't want to send them off to some like random person and be like okay figure it out hope for the best you know so yeah. it's like no 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 like I'll help you like we'll make this work you know mm -hmm. so um that's just my nature. Like, I feel yeah. like I have to kind of be a part of it and okay. they, and they love it. You know, they, they love me there. They, they love having me part of their experience and they're super happy when we get the video done and mm. to know that I was a part of that is like, it's, it's so thrilling, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And kind of piggybacking off that, uh, one of the things that we like to do on live and amplified here is we like to pass on information to younger musicians and try and help them, if they're going in the wrong direction, try and steer them in the right direction, or if they're just getting started, started on the right foot. So I'm going to take the next couple of minutes and just kind of ask you some questions to better help younger musicians. Um, so first off, what in general, what advice would you give to a younger musician that's really just starting to explore and find their sound and are ready to kind of take music professionally? Yeah, I mean, depending on if you're talking to a musician, are you talking to an artist, are you talking to a songwriter, are you talking to a producer? I mean, they're all kind of different spectrums. Mm -hmm. um, you know, as a singer, songwriter, artist, you know, that sort of person, um, I would just say, you know, really understand um, who you are as an artist and understand that because you may sing or because you may play an instrument, it do that does not equate to a brand. Mm -hmm. That, that's just something that you do. Does that make sense? It's just, yeah. it's a physical activity that you do, but it doesn't necessarily equate to like, I want to buy that, you know? Yeah. So yeah. really start from day one and understand that this whole thing is branding and I'm really big on marketing. And I studied it in college. Um, I, you know, I studied my bachelor's degree in, in branding and marketing PR. Um, so I'm super big on that. And some people, depends on who you ask, but you'll talk, you know, you'll talk to 10 different people and you'll get 10 different answers. But for me personally, um, if you can market something, you can make it successful. I mean, if they were able to sell a pet rock, I could go outside and get you a rock, <laughs> but they, they made millions, you know? So you have to kind of think of it like, okay, I have to market this, you know? So 
because you sing and, and, and because you play guitar, or play a piano, no, that doesn't make you special. But if you market it right and you get a niche and you get an audience, it could, you don't even have to be that good at it. But if you mm -hmm. find a way and everyone's different, that's kind of where I'm really good at kind of looking through those fine like crevices and being like, that's, that's how we're going to get this done. And that's how we're going to get this marketed. Um, and, and be able to understand that. So the sooner you could understand that it's going to be a lot better for you because you'll, you'll stop wasting time on all the stuff that doesn't matter. Um, mm -hmm. obviously learning your craft, learning, taking lessons, you'd be surprised how many people do not take voice lessons. Like yeah. I, for me, I, that's shocking. Like how, how do you not like understand the anatomy of vocals and your diaphragm and your breathing and your resonators and your articulators. And I go on and on about vocals because I trade, I've been training, I trained <laughs> opera for years. So, um, you know, it's fascinating how it all kind of works. So that's number two. If you're a guitar player, learn, learn that, you know, and perform, practice, perform and practice, perform and practice, you know, three Facebook lives does not equate to practicing. I mean, you have to kind of, I'm a big believer on getting down to that, that gridiron, that like nitty gritty, get down there and work your butt off, you know, just get in this, just, just grind it out, you know, and that's how you build sort of like the tenacity and the confidence in yourself. And you can kind of get through any situation. Um, and the sooner you can do that, it's going to be a lot better for you than trying to figure it out later in life. So, mm -hmm. yeah, absolutely. Um, and then as a producer, what's one thing musicians need to know before they step into the studio for the first time or should know, not necessarily need to know. Yeah, no, that's a good question. Um, yeah. Once like, I'm going to say it again, you know, I, I, I have had, I've had people come into my studio that have never like actually performed and never yeah. actually like practiced yeah. and never actually took vocal lessons. Yeah. And they, they, I think the biggest, I don't understand this, but they get like, Oh, I don't need voice lessons. And it's like, mm. okay. I mean, a football player can be, you know, genetically blessed, but they're still, you know, working with coaches and they're still working with, you know, an array of, of people to get them to their best. Mm. You know, they're not teaching them how to play football. They don't know that, but it's yeah. just getting in there and finessing the, the fine details. And that's how you have to look at vocals, you know? So yes, you may be able to sing and hit that high C and all that's great. But that, once again, if you don't know how to control that, if you do not know how to manipulate your voice and, and use it, it's, it's a tool and you, and you create colors and you create shades and you create highlights and you create timbres with your voice. How do you do that? You have to train, you have to work mm -hmm. with somebody and you yep. have to do it day in and day out for weeks and months and years. And it just mm -hmm. never stops, you know? So having three voice lessons, it, that doesn't, that doesn't do it. You know, you have mm -hmm. to really get in there and, so as a producer, I expect when you walk through the door that we've had this training and I've, and I've been shocked many times where I'm just like, okay, go ahead. And, and then they're like, you know, they don't even, they've never done this before. So that's, that's just something that I, I didn't even really knew I had to sort of say, but I do say that now, like, Hey, practice, make sure you're going over your stuff. Make sure you are working with a coach. If you don't have a coach, give me a call. I'll work with you. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not, a, I don't really like coin the phrase of local coach because but like i will get you where i feel you need to be to get you prepped yeah. enough for the studio if you so cannot, we're not wasting everybody's it, time we're not wasting time. everyone's time exactly yeah. you know um, so. I, i'm going to kind of give you an easy question here at least i feel okay. it's easy how important is it for a musician to build a relationship with their producer 
oh, like it's super, it's like the most important thing. Mm. Yeah, it, it really is because nothing is like more awkward than like you, you sort of get, you know, working with someone and you're like, ugh, you just, that vibe is weird and they're like, I don't know, they're just like weird and creepy or mm. they're just, just not jiving and you're just like, God, you know, like, what do you do? You know, so yeah, and, you know, and like you could have the best producer on the planet, like, you know, all these hits and all these charts, song, whatever, but you walk to the door and you're just like, I'm not feeling it, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's, that's really what it comes down to. And that's what I always tell my clients is like, look, there's 8,000 producers in this town. Like, mm -hmm. you know, we all can probably give you a great track, but at the end of the day, it's about how you feel. And did that person make you feel motivated, make you feel excited about the business, make you feel inspired? Um, or, did they, or did you leave there kind of gloom and doom? Like, mm -hmm. well, you know, and you know, and they're just sitting, they're sitting there bored, texting on their phone, hitting the red button. And I've, and I've experienced that, unfortunately, <laughs> you know, that you've had people who do not care. They do literally... Mm -hmm could give a, a, a rat's behind. So, you know, and I think it's just how you jive with, with that person. And obviously these people have some people that like them because they continue to work. So um, I tend to be a little bit more on the energetic side. It's too much for people. You know, sometimes it's like, oh, you know, but I, I'm like super excited all the time about everyone and their journey. And it, like I said, if you're kind of laid back and chill that I may be too much for you, but if you kind of need that like that cheerleader yeah. motivational kind of sort of style, you know, that's, that's, that's me, you know? Yeah, so absolutely. You know, yeah. and, and to kind of step back a little bit from what, uh, to what you're saying, it's also important to make sure that the producer understands what you're trying to convey or what you're trying to do with your music, because yes, even if they you working with a producer that has a hundred has worked with a hundred Grammy award winning artists, but if they're all jazz musicians and you're a progressive rock band, right? You know, it, there, there's going to be a little bit of a difference there. Yeah, and exactly. Like you should know. I mean, if you're contacting a producer, you you're not just like going through the phone book and saying, "I'm going to call that guy." I have no idea who, what he's doing. You, you know, you, you've mm -hmm. done your research, you know what they've done and you know who they've worked with. So it becomes like sort of a trend of yeah. like that. So that just sort of becomes a given. So that should be sort of just like obvious stuff. But then <laughs> beyond that point, you set up that call. Like, did they call you back? Did they, did they act like they're doing you a favor? Did they really feel excited and genuine about your process? I mean, all of those things you have to kind of ask yourself. And if they're, if they're making you feel weird now you know they're going to, it's only going to get worse as yeah. you go down that that road you know yeah. so you have to kind of go with your gut if, if your gut's telling you i don't know then it's usually an indication like not to work with that person if you're like oh my god i can't wait like dude this is gonna be so rad like yeah. that's the feeling that yeah. that, that you want that, you that's know? who you want to work with it, yeah, like absolutely. It, you, you said that it that was kind of obvious but i brought it up specifically because it is not that obvious to some musicians. Yeah, I've worked with a lot of independent musicians that they're just looking for the person that'll do it for the cheapest rate. And then yep. they end up working with some kind of a con man or somebody that realizes, oh, this person doesn't know what they're doing. I'm gonna take them for everything they're worth. Oh yeah. And you know, I've heard stories about like just straight up solo acoustic musicians. So 
one guitar, one vocal track. That's what it is. They go in, record, and the producer comes back. The producer, the engine, like at that point, they're usually the producer and the engineer. Uh, they'll come back with like, they'll have percussion. They'll have like a bass line. Like they'll add in all this extra stuff and mm-hmm. be like, show them how amazing the song is. And then upcharge them like, hey, oh, yeah. you, you want this amazing song? This is going to cost you $700. Well, you told me you'd do it for 150 Yeah, but I added in all this extra stuff. It makes the song sound way better. I didn't want that stuff. Yeah. Why did you do that? Right. He's like, well, this is what the song is. You either pay me or I ain't giving you the recording. And I'm like, dude, that, that's a con man if I've ever seen Oh, it. yeah. Yep. There's been sessions that I never got my stems from i mm. never got my my full track you know and i don't know where this became a thing but mm. you know if i pay you as a producer i am i i, I get my tracks like it's that simple you know <laughs> and it's like i don't know where these people have sort of coined this idea that like i own your stuff i was like no mm. i wrote it okay i paid you so give me my stuff, you know, yeah. <laughs> and like, I don't know. So once again, I, I'm just, I, I'm doing everything that like a, a opposite of what was done to me, if that yeah. makes sense. I'm going to give you your track. I'm going to give it on time. I'm not going to do any like weird, like you said, some weird, crazy <laughs> upcharge, hidden costs, this, that, whatever. Like what you see is what you get. Yeah. And you can talk to all of my clients and they're all going to tell you the same thing. Like I'm yeah. as no BS transparent as possible so yeah, you know and th- that's definitely something we've dealt with in live and amplified because we do a lot of like live acoustic style uh, mm-hmm. jam session stuff and a lot like a lot of bands you they, they heard fr- about us through a friend and it's usually not a big thing but if it's like a brand new band or a duo it's like okay but what's the catch like right are you gonna hit us with uh, a back end, hey, you got to pay us to get your masters or whatever. And it's like, no, the masters are yours. What am I, what am I going to do? Yeah, I know, like, I know, I know. I, so just I, you know, yeah, be really careful. Like going into these situations, get you know, get stuff in writing. Understand the the process. If you don't understand the process, you know, go on Amazon and buy Music Business 101. Get familiar with the way things work because knowledge is power. And I learned that at a very young age. If you don't have the knowledge, you just you just go with what they tell you and you don't question it. You're like, oh, okay, I'm that's okay. I guess that's what I have to do. And before you know it, you'd spend $5,000 on a little acoustic track or something like that. When you yep. know that that's, that's not, you know, the way it goes and ask questions and, you know, really, really pay attention to the person's reputation and, and their, and their clients that they've worked mm-hmm. with and, you know, reach out to those. I'm like, yeah, call my clients. I don't care. Call them all, you know, cause they're all going to say like the same thing that, you know, I'm super straightforward and I get you view your tracks and it's going to sound amazing. And I work with you and I do not, I, I don't do it like the way that I oh, it's my way. And that's it. You know, it's like, no, I'm going to work with you and we're going to make this a true, you know, 50, 50 partnership. Like my, what I, my vision, but of course at the end of the day it has to be your vision as the artist. Yeah, absolutely. So and it makes it fun. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so 
I, as we start working towards the end of the podcast here, because I don't want to take up too much more of your time, um, what keeps you going in the music industry? What's your motivation at this point? <sighs> Coffee and concealer. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's just, uh, gosh, you know, I have good days and bad days like everyone else. Mm-hmm. You know, you have days where you're like, oh, yeah, this is rad. Like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to take on the world. Mm-hmm. And then you have days where you're just like, I can't deal with whatever's going on and you just have to kind of take it in stride um you know before when I was performing that was a great outlet for me I was able to kind of just like perform and kind of let it all out but now that that doesn't happen so it's just yeah it's tough you know you have to kind of just you know get back to the drawing board you know get back to you know my my piano and start writing stuff you know kind of just channel that as best as I can you know I go to the gym I do my walks, you know, I just try to stay, um, as, as engaged as I can to, to myself and to life itself and not let the things kind of consume you, you know, cause that's how it can go sometimes. Um, and just try to continue to keep moving forward. That's all you can do. So, yeah. Absolutely. Um, given that you've kind of tour been on done the national touring thing you've been gone international and stuff like that is there a place that you haven't had a chance to play yet that you really would like to yeah i mean there more of europe i i only got to see a, a couple countries over there so i'd love to you know go back to europe if we ever can get back over there i think you americans are banned everywhere i don't know yeah. <laughs> but um but yeah, so um, I'd love to do that. I'd love to, you know, um, continue to keep traveling. You know, Australia would be really cool. Um, yeah, so I would, yeah, I'd love to. Hopefully we're, one day. We're really waiting for the borders to open so we can go to the UK and Australia. Those are like our two yes. first big international trips we want to make. So Yes, yeah, so, but yes. I completely <laughs> get it. Oh. Uh, so where can everybody kind of find you online? Where can they find your new singles when they drop? You know, all that fun stuff. Yeah. So basically it's super simple. Um, I'm on Instagram and I'm on Facebook. That's my main two social media platforms. I'm really not on Twitter. I'm not on TikTok. I'm not on Snapchat anymore. So I just kind of do Facebook, Instagram. So just search me, Justine Blazer. Hit that follow, hit that like. Um, tell your friends. Um, and then I'm on YouTube, Justine Blazer Music, hit that subscribe button. And then if you search any of the streaming platforms from Google to Spotify to Apple Music to Amazon, just search Justine Blazer and you can see all my stuff. And, I'm, and my website has all that information, justineblazer.com. Absolutely. Actually, one more question. I, as I was uh, preparing for this interview, I saw that you had tried to do, or you did a podcast for a little bit. I did last year. Yeah. Uh, is that something that you've thought about trying to revive or revisit during this pandemic or is it like, um, everything's so busy? It got really busy yeah. Yeah. Um, because I am a perfectionist. So I had to make sure like every podcast was like perfectly edited and like, you know, so it was very time consuming um, from that aspect. And um, I did it more just as like, just for fun. I did mm-hmm. it for, for a while, for about six months or so. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I may, I may bring it back. I may want to revive it. I may want to bring, you know, more people involved to kind of help with the editing and really make it as polished as possible. Um, but yeah, I did a podcast. It was really fun. I got a lot of experience, a lot, learned a lot through that process too. So I got better at speaking because when you hear yourself back on those recordings, you're like, 
yikes, like, do I really sound like that? So I had to kind of improve a lot of, on that aspect too. Yeah, that's one thing that I've learned. I was, uh, I think it was like a month or so ago was our four year anniversary for the podcast, which was born out of pure panic because we had a, a regional touring band that was coming through town and it was like, hey, yeah. we're going to do something with y'all, but we don't have time to set up twice. Right. Once for, and I was like, okay, well, what if we just did like a Facebook live stream and we just talked for a little go. bit? And they're like, yeah, that's perfect. I went yeah. back and watched that Facebook live stream. And I'm like, oh my God, this is terrible. <laughs> yeah, so you just learn, you know, you just yeah. learn how to, how to speak better, clear, more concise with your questions. And so we'll see. I, I really loved it. It was really fun, um, but it was, it was strictly a hobby. So gotcha. we've, gotten, we've gotten really busy with, you know, some clients and stuff like that. So I never want to take any time away from, from that. That's my number one priority. Awesome, so. awesome. But um, once again, I want to thank you so, so much for taking the time. I've been really looking forward to this ever since I reached out to you. Like, yeah, I was thank like, you so much. Hey, I know we were trying to do this before. Let, let, let's try and revisit this. Uh, mm -hmm. So I really appreciate the, uh, the time. Really appreciate you for joining us. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. And we'll catch you guys later. Bye. Thank Bye. you. Take care. All right. Stream should be off. Yep, stream's off. Cool. I was just like, I just like ghosted this button that to shut off the stream, and then I there wasn't like a little thing saying, "Hey, your stream's off now." And so I was like, "Oh, I think <laughs> the stream's off." Uh, so.